Before we get started, we wanted to tell you about the Baseball Tonight podcast with Buster Oney. It's a three-day-a-week podcast bringing you guests like Mike Trout, top managers like Dave Roberts, to the insights of GMs like Brian Cashman, along with regulars such as Tim Kirchin, Jeff Passan, Sarah Lane, and Carl Ravitch. The Baseball Tonight podcast. Listen wherever you get your podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my friend Ryan Clark down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. RC, we flipped now. I'm in the studio in Las Vegas. You're back home, so we're doing it a little different. But before we get to all that, RC, coming up in the show, we dig deep into John Jones returning at UFC 285 to take on Cyril Gaon. We recap Paul versus Fury. And as always, we tap in or we tap out. RC, you were just in Colorado last night, my man. How are you back home and back to work already? The, the same way you get everywhere, brother. You get on planes. I, I caught a red eye, brother. I got back to New Orleans at about 8.20. I went straight to work out. Then I went to Whole Foods. And then I came home. I was supposed to be on here a little bit earlier, but technology, man, it kind of gets the best <laughs> of me sometimes. And listen, bro, you are already in Vegas. And you know what I thought about? I called you yesterday. We were FaceTiming. Mm-hmm. And you were in the bed with no shirt on. You know, I'm looking sure some, good some site, looking good. all the women that love the UFC <laughs> would love to see. You know what I hate, bro? That you don't give the people your full Lafayette accent when you do TV. <laughs> you kind of come on here and assimilate, bro. Like you get here and you put your TV voice on <laughs> and you you're like, let me speak correctly, for the people of the USC, I'm Daniel Cormier. <laughs> you know, I just wish you gave people what I get bro. when I FaceTime you. Come on, bro. You, you know, Ryan, I just I just speak normal. You know, I just speak normal. And obviously, we're on television, bro, you know, so we got to give the people what they want. But, RC, as you were in Colorado last weekend, I was in Bakersfield last weekend with my high school wrestling team. And, Ryan, my teams did so well. We had three state champions. Elijah Cortez, Isaiah Cortez, two twins, both became state champions, and Daniels are paid kids that have wrestled for me since they were in fifth grade, became high school state champions. Our girls' team got fourth as a team, and my boys' team got third as a team, ranked number 15 in the country, this boys' team. Ryan, I'm telling you, man, I am so proud of these kids and the effort that they gave this year. My coaching staff, they had to deal with things, Ryan, that no one had to deal with. We lost two state champions, so we lost 60 points in team scores. We lost the number 10-ranked guy at 145 pounds. My, my kid that got fit place, he was driving home, Ryan, after practice before the conference tournament. He got rear-ended by a person drunk going 50 Man. miles an hour. It was snake bit. But these kids put all that behind them and went and became probably the greatest team in Gilroy High School history. So I'm so proud of these That's kids, awesome. man, and what they did last weekend. Three state champions, Gilroy record. 195 team points, Gilroy record. We did some truly amazing things. Those kids should be very proud. Ryan, it's happy for me to see as a coach. Greatest job that I've done to this point. Hey man, that's amazing. I think, one, for you to give back to the community, give back to the youth, of all of these young men and young women who aspire to do some of the things you've been able to do throughout your 
wrestling career. I think, first of all, that's so commendable. But I couldn't imagine the type of pride you feel in watching these young people excel in the way they have, especially when facing some of the adversity uh, that you just mentioned, man. So congrats to Coach Cormier and congrats <laughs> to the whole Gilroy wrestling team. Thank you, RC, man. And that, that says our 19th consecutive CCS championship, we've won 20 conference titles in a row. Get it right, Corporate Jake, before I jump down this camera. <laughs> hey, RC. Now, as we move forward, though, I am in Vegas for EA Sports. I was doing some voiceover work. But ultimately, the end of the week culminates with the return of John Jones. John Jones makes his heavyweight debut this weekend and fighting for the heavyweight championship against Cyril Gaon. How ex so what people don't understand is our friendship is so great that you called me last night talking about the pivot and John Jones. Want him on the show. I'm like, all good. The fact that you even felt the need to talk to me about that speaks to the friendship and the respect that you and I have for each other. But how excited are you sure. to see Jones finally fight up at heavyweight? I mean, DC, think about when I became a fan of the UFC. If you became a fan around the time that I did, which was, you know, Chuck Liddell's heyday, one of the next champions you had an opportunity to witness was John Jones. And let's be honest, if you've watched the UFC, mostly every fight you've watched John Jones in has been a championship fight. This is a guy that's excelled yeah. since a youngster, becomes the youngest UFC champion in the history of the organization. And I think having him have the battles with Daniel Cormier, we've watched him against Alexander. We've seen him against uh, Machida. Like, he's fought Shogun Rua. You name him, John Jones has fought them. And now moving up to the heavyweight division to test himself and to prove that he is what many people believe he is, which is the greatest UFC fighter of all time. I think it's exciting, but I don't believe he's ever faced a challenge, and no offense to you, DC, a challenge like he will in Surreal Gone in his first fight at the heavyweight division after a three-year layoff. DC, we've talked about that layoff before, but as someone who has not only won a belt at heavyweight, but was also a light heavyweight champion, your weight or your size was a little bit different from John Jones. How do you see carrying this amount of weight affecting John Jones and also having to face a man as big yet as agile as Cyril Gaon? And I think that's where you hit the nail on the head, RC. Like, in terms of the challenge, I presented some unique challenges, but I wasn't 6'4". I wasn't 255 mm -hmm. pounds and moving like I fight at 135. That's where the issues for mm -hmm. John Jones lie. The agility of Cyril Gaon. His ability to move and fight in and out and be as active and efficient at that weight. Now, Jones is going to be doing something much different than he's ever done. The, in, the, the entirety of the time that he's fought weighing what he weighs now is this training camp. Because John Jones, even when he was cutting down to 205, was never 240 pounds. He was always probably coming right. down from 225, 227, down to 205, maybe 230 on his heavy days. He's carrying an extra 10 pounds. So even though he is an elite athlete, a guy that has competed at the highest levels of the sport, this is another thing that he's going to have to deal with. Do I think that that's going to hinder him? To hinder him? No, but I do think that it will play a factor in the fight and how the fight plays out. This is a tremendous matchup. 
between two super athletic heavyweights. And Cyril Gaon, for me, is the biggest challenge to Jones at 265 pounds going into the UFC heavyweight division. Yeah, and that's what's exciting about it, though. I believe when you've earned the type of cachet that John Jones has, you should step into a major bout at the heavyweight division. But when you're a guy that dominated the lightweight division throughout your tenure in the UFC, many people would ask, why even jump up to heavyweight? I mean, they don't have to listen to DC and RC. We can hear it straight from John Jones. Yeah, I felt like my candle for the light heavyweight blew out. Um, my, you know, my last fights were getting pretty, pretty close. They were getting more and more competitive. I just felt like I got to this place where I felt like I wasn't losing to any of these guys. I felt like the fans were, were uh, lacking interest. Um, you know, I was starting to fight guys who were relatively unknown to the general public. And uh, I just wanted to do something, something that, uh, that intimidated me, something that got me up in the morning. And, um, and that's what I've done. You know, I was ready to fight against Stipe Miocic, Francis Nogano. Uh, and now we're here against Serio Gain. And all, all these guys right now in the, in the top five of the UFC are, are intimidating men. They're guys with one, one stop knockout power, one punch knockout power. Guys that are um, really athletic guys that are, are specimens. And uh, it just felt like there's no, no better time than, than right now. DC, when you hear John Jones speak about the jump to heavyweight and saying he wants to be intimidated, how does that make you feel about his latter fights in light heavyweight? I think we have Tiago Santos, you have Dominique uh -huh. Reyes, fights that were extremely close, and he's saying it, it was more of a situation of him not feeling motivated in uh -huh. that sense. How motivated does he have to be to beat Cyril Gaunt? Well, he's got to be motivated. But, Ryan, you got to understand what John is alluding to in regards to those challenges. To become the champion, he beat Shogun Hua, who was one of the biggest stars in the sport. On that title run, he beat Rashad Evans. You got the teammate storyline that made it big. You had Rampage Jackson. You had, uh, you had Rampage Jackson. You had Leota Machida, who was scary. You had me. It had the yep. backstory. So all the fights had so much surrounding it. And then towards the end, you had him fighting guys that didn't really bring that level of excitement. So when you guys were playing football and you saw that Jones and I were going to fight or we're fighting in the lobby and it's on SportsCenter, it's everywhere. You fired when up. John, yeah, of <laughs> yeah, course. Yeah. When John Jones is fighting against, no disrespect, Dominic Reyes or those guys, it's like, well, John Jones has a fight. We'll watch because it's John Jones. But you don't really see the threat in that. That also happens to the fighter. You need that thing that strikes fear mm. in you to make you work harder, to make you do more, to make you not really cut any corners as you prepare for these challenges. And I think up at heavyweight, these challenges that Surreal Gan will present makes John Jones uneasy at night. And that is that thing that we search for as champions as we're getting prepared to fight. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, 
you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network. DC, you have the unique perspective of having fought in both weight classes. What's the difference in training to fight a surreal gone as opposed to training to fight a Dominique Reyes when mm -hmm. you have to be in shape for the size of the man you're fighting? You have to have that strength for the size of the man you're fighting, but also add to the skill and the weight that you're now carrying. What's up? What are some of those differences in preparing for this fight? Well, there's a lot of challenges in that, right, Ryan? Because you got to put on weight, but you got to put on good weight, right? John Jones took three years because he wanted to get bigger, but he wanted to get bigger the right way. So that, to me, tells me that he's trying to do everything right. He's not trying to make any mistakes. But part of the, the, the thing about fighting at 205 was that the weight management was so tough, you had to be so strict. So you were going to be in great shape. You can be a little bit more lax in your approach at heavyweight because Jones will never be 265. He'll never be overweight right. at 265. So he can pretty much have whatever he wants, but he's still got to be very committed to the diet. He's still got to be very clean in his preparation. But the reality is he's got to worry more about the problems that Cyril Ghosn presents opposed to the self-inflicted problems that he may be able to inflict on himself. Because John Jones, if you know him and if you follow his career, he can essentially go through anything. I mean, you heard what he told me that one time at the press conference. He said a week before the fight, yeah. I was doing, you know, he won the fight. So obviously, obviously the guy can pretty much get through any self-inflicted issues. So he needs to worry more about what Surreal Ghan presents in terms of problems. You know, DC, so we've seen two of the most two of the most skilled fighters <laughs> of our time make a weight jump in championship-level bouts recently. We saw Israel Adesanya and Jan Bohovitz. We saw Alexander Volkanovsky step up and fight Islam Mahachev. But those were guys who recently fought at their weight class, jumped mm -hmm. up for one fight, and seemingly weren't necessarily going to be fighting in those weight classes. Now John Jones is saying, I'm going to take the three years, I'm going to put the weight on the correct way, but... John Jones wasn't necessarily this one-punch knockout artist. May God rest his soul. He, what, he, he isn't Anthony Rumble Johnson. Mm -mm. And so how does, how does John Jones's strength or his power, how does that carry up 
to the heavyweight division or is it going to be more John Jones has to use his skill to win these fights in the long run? I think he's going to have to use his skill, Ryan, because I'll tell you this right now. Uh, Jones did not punch very hard. Like, that was one of the things that mm. stood out about him. Now, he kneed hard, he kicked hard, he elbowed hard. He did a lot of things very well, but in terms of his punching ability, he didn't have, like, jarring power. Now, gaining 30 pounds, maybe he gets a little uh, a bit of a heavier puncher, but he will never match Surreal Gun in terms of the punching power. He's going to need his skill in order to do this. Here's the issue. Surreal Gun possesses a lot of those same skills. He can stand on the outside right. and fight. He can he can pot shot you from the outside, and he does possess jarring power when he does land. John Jones always had a bit of a size uh, advantage over a lot of the guys he fought at 205 too. That's going to be missing. But when you look at Jones, he looks bigger, but a lot of the weight is up top. His bottom half still looks pretty slim. You look at Surreal Gone, yeah. it looks like somebody stuck a, 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 a air pump in that dude's mouth and just started pumping. He right. looks huge, but he only weighs about 250 pounds. He's not heavy. He's just lean, he's ripped, and he's big and he's strong. This is a very big challenge for John Jones. Surreal Gone is as good as they come in. RC, don't believe him. He said he doesn't like to train whenever he's not fighting. That dude's going to be ready to fight John Jones on Saturday night. Yeah, he's absolutely going to be ready. And John Jones already said that he wasn't going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe. And it's funny <laughs> you mentioned his legs. John Jones' legs looks like the bottom of mine. They just stretched him out <laughs> a little bit. You know, we got D.C. We got runner's calves, D.C. Listen, we're, we're from a tropical people. You know what I mean? Not all of us, not all of us are blessed to have calves. Jake, I'm taking this thing way off the road. We have some more comments here from John Jones talking about the move up. Have I received any advice from fighters that's taken a long layoff? I haven't. I haven't. But I, I use uh, examples from the past to know that it's, it's very doable. Uh, George St. Pierre was out for four years. Came back and fought Michael Bisbane and looked really, really good doing it. Um, Another thing is that I'm aware that the Olympics is every four years, you know, so athletes get the opportunity to disappear for a long time and come back and, and show their hard work, show what they've done. You get guys who take bronze and the four years later become gold medalists, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's been three years for me. I've been putting in the work. I've been living the martial arts lifestyle, and I believe I'm getting ready to pick up where I left off. It's another gold medal. Well, you know, D.C., John Jones there is explaining how he looks at the possibility of having a little ring rust or, I guess, octagon rust when oh. we're speaking of the UFC. How do you see that layoff or that time off affecting John Jones? You know, I don't expect it to be too bad, Ryan, because over the course of his career and during his prime, because now, I mean, Jones has to be 35, 36 years old. I'm not exactly sure. But in the midst of our rivalry and during his prime, Jones had some long breaks. He had 12 months at one point. He had another 15 months at another point. So he's been out for extended periods of time before and still uh, was able to compete at the highest level. He did it against me uh, one time whenever we fought the second time. But again, he was very motivated. He's supposed to be very motivated this week as he fights Surreal Gone. So I don't anticipate the ring rust is going to be too bad. 
I just believe that this guy has fought so many high-level fights that that experience is going to carry him. But he's never fought anybody like this guy. He's never been locked in there with a monster of a man like that. You know, one of the biggest issues in the Anthony Smith fight, the Dominic Reyes fight, the Tiago Santos fight, was their size. Because even if they weren't as good of wrestlers as Jones, he couldn't take them down. They were too tall. The length gave him problems. This guy is going to be hard to take down. People say, well, Francis took down Surreal Gan. Ryan, it's not that simple. I don't so, think there's so a man big, on the planet yeah. that you can let Francis Ngannou lock his hands around and he can't throw you to the ground. He may just be the strongest human being right. walking the planet. So it's not about Cyril not having takedown defense. I feel it was him just being outmanned by Francis Ngannou. I don't know if John Jones can outman Cyril Ghan. You know, and that's what's going to be the compelling part of this fight, though, DC. How does all of the skill, all of the octagon management, the understanding, the experience, all of these things that John Jones possesses through his championship bouts, how does that translate against a guy that we could probably say for one of the few times in John Jones's career is just as athletic, but he's mm -hmm. also bigger. So in looking at this fight, DC, to you, what ends up being the X factor mm. in John Jones versus Cyril Gaunt? I think the X, the X factor becomes how does Jones handle those moments where he cannot secure takedowns? How does Jones handle being stuck on the outside with Cyril Gaunt? Now, from everything that's happened in the past, you believe that Jones will be okay. We have seen him handle those guys, and he did win against Anthony Smith. And he did win against uh, Tiago Santos. And he did win against Alexander Gustafson in the first fight. We have seen him handle big guys before. So all things would point to him being okay. But you don't know with, with, with Cyril Ghosn. Dude, Cyril Ghosn showed me something in the fight against Tai Tuivasa that I wasn't sure that he Bro, had. I was not crazy. sure he had that, RC. Yeah. Yeah, when, we, when you go back to that fight, it wasn't just to me the ability to possess the power to eventually fi uh, finish to Ivasa. It was more so the ability to stare down the power, the agility and the head movement in order to not get caught by some of those huge shots we had seen Bam land in his recent fight and then continue to move forward after being hit, understanding that he was fighting a guy that could hurt him to me, that was something that Surreal Gone took another step from a perception standpoint. And I said, okay, this dude just isn't fluff and skill and, 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 and popcorn muscles, as I once mm -hmm. heard use. This is a dude that has the ability to be have, have a, the longevity of a champion yep. and also the fierceness of some of the most feared fighters at the division. A fierceness that was missing. That's the one. That's the one, RC. He got a little bit of yeah. dog in him. He got a little bit of dog in him, right? We saw yeah. it in the two. He got dropped, and he got up, and he just beat the crap out of Ty. As much as I love Ty, once yeah. the real gun got dropped, it's like something changed. It's like he goes, not here, not in France, not in Paris. This ain't happening to me. And that's when I saw him have a little bit of that dog that I wasn't sure that he had because before yeah. it had to be a bit pretty 
it had to be a bit pretty for Surreal Guy yeah, to be effective. Yeah. And when it wasn't pretty, dude elevated. And I think that is going to play a factor into the fight this weekend. But, R.C., Going into this weekend, we got a big fight. But last weekend, I mean, you could you could put your hand down. You can put your hand down already. You can put your hand down already, dog. But last weekend, the Jake Paul fought Tommy Fury. And hey, you know how y'all like to run clips of like the things I said prior where y'all try to get me embarrassed in front of people? Plug that clip into this of Ryan saying Jake Paul was going to knock out Tommy Fury last weekend. What did you take from that fight, Ryan Clark, Jake Paul and Tommy Fury from Abu Dhabi? Well, well, first, first off, DC, you're the one told me that he had come a long way as a boxer. And I Dude. think you said he was going to win the fight. And so now all of a sudden we're talking about me. I ain't supposed to know nothing anyway. <laughs> DC, I think I think what we what we saw was we both said this last week. We expected this to be Jake Paul's toughest competition because he was actually fighting someone who trained as a boxer. Now, we did make some jokes as Jake Paul did about okay, Tommy okay. Fury's competition. But mm-hmm. even with that, we understood and we kind of knew that this would be a tough fight for Jake Paul and as much as I guess we can say it, Jake Paul was kind of outclassed. This mm. fight wasn't as close as I believe judges no. and commentators going on? tried to make it be. And so for me, the question is this, though, DC, where to now for Jake Paul? You know, when I look at the fight and I think about it, first off, Paul wasn't active enough, right? He was fighting as if he was fighting Tyron Woodley or Anderson Silva, where if he landed one big overhand right, he could finish the fight. That wasn't going to be the case because Tommy Fury possesses a lot of those natural little boxing things that he hadn't seen, where he just kind of rolls a shoulder or he deflects the punch off his arms before it actually gets to him. He threw way more punches than Jake Paul. Jake Paul just was a bit behind Tommy Fury. and Tommy Fury fought behind a beautiful jab, if I'm being honest. And he did win that fight going away. So when we're listening to the commentary and we're all texting in between it, and we're all, I'm like, what fight are these guys watching? I didn't, I didn't quite understand how they thought <laughs> that it was gonna that knockdown was gonna was be in. the determining factor. Yeah, it was crazy. I was like, I can't believe that they'll think this is the determining factor. But next for Jake Ball is just keep fighting and keep. I mean, I think next he's going to get a rematch because he has—he somehow has a rematch clause that Tommy Fury didn't have. So I think he'll get a rematch, but I wouldn't even advise that. I would advise him to go get a couple more of those fights that are fun, that are interesting, and then go back to Tommy Fury because this kid's only been fighting for a little bit. So to be able to go out there and yeah. fight eight rounds and be competitive against a professional boxer speaks to his talent. But he still needs more time if he's going to beat those guys that have spent a lifetime in the sport of boxing. So go get a couple more of those fights, Ryan. Fight another basketball player. You remember what he did to Nate Robinson? Adrian Peterson. Adrian, Adrian Peterson boxing up. Go fight one of those guys. Hey, we're not putting AP back in there. We are not putting AP back out there. AP is a legend. And we will not see our legends go out that way. Heck no. DC, you know... Think about this in 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 a in a week where a weekend where Floyd Mayweather fl- fights and it's basically an empty arena. Did you Jake see Paul that? Jake Paul and 
yeah, Jake Paul and Tommy Fury, not even in, on the mainland, they fill an arena and there are people who tune in on TV. There is a there's an allure to Jake Paul. He's been able to create so much in, interest in seeing and watching what he's doing. When he loses to Tommy Fury, who is not a household name as it comes to uh, boxing, does that take a little way? Does that take a little bit away of the shine that Jake Paul had? And will people even be interested in tuning in going further? RC, we have spoken about this about MMA and boxing generally. When you were a young fighter and you lost, it was almost over, right? It was like it was done. You could right. not. You could not afford an early loss as a young boxer, but not with this kid because the reality is. He had one fights RC to where we had now started to go, well, this kid's really improving. But it's not like everybody expected him to go undefeated. So the first time he fought a professional boxer, an actual boxer, he lost. Now he needs to continue to build through those other fights. And I said this the other day. I'm like, man, honestly, when you look at young pro boxers from Floyd Mayweather to Terrence Crawford, all those guys – Tommy Fury even, they fight really low-level competition very early in their career. And that's exactly what Jake Paul did to get to Tommy Fury. If, if they were both following the, the classic boxing game plan, they wouldn't have fought each other until they both had 20 wins. And they would both seem as though they were like high-level prospects. But I don't think it's going to hurt him at all. Because I think the, the, the draw of Jake Paul makes people want to tune in. But even that Floyd Mayweather thing, Ryan, like that was crazy. I never in my life could have imagined Floyd Mayweather would be in an arena that was empty, but it's also because he's playing around too much with the fake, with the with the with the exhibition fights and the retirement, and yeah. then coming back. He can't keep doing that because people at some point will tune out to what you're trying to do. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play, and. Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Well, that's exactly what's happened there. And what we are paying most of, most of our attention to is will people tune Jake Paul out? Will the, the Jake Paul experiment be over? Or do enough people, as it seems that you're coming around to DC, take him seriously enough in the way that he's approaching this craft to want to see if he can rebound from this loss to Tommy Fury? But... Since we're talking, talking about people who are acting and boxing, Creed 3 comes out this weekend, yeah, I DC. Yeah, saw that, I saw that, yeah. And as usual, DC and RC has a list. And we're going to list go. our favorite Rocky movies. And we mm -hmm. all know that my list will be better than your list. Okay, DC, here's where my list starts. And it could end if we wanted to. Rocky Staking Four, the movie opens, Apollo comes out with James Brown living in America. What? The Russian kills him. He absolutely 
kills him. They make Rocky go train like he's in Lafayette, but in the oh snow. Goodness, he don't bro. even have real stuff to train with. And the Russian taking steroids, DC. <laughs> and like the, com the commander of the army is yeah, watching yeah, yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. And Rocky gets hit that. 17 million times <laughs> in the first round. But he cuts him because he's just a man. He's, he's just, just a man. man. Look he at bleed, him. Rocky. He's just a he man. <laughs> he's just a man. Rocky IV is one of my favorite movies of all time. At number two, Rocky III. I'm going to be quicker now. Rocky III, Clubber Lang, man. Clubber Lang was the most disrespectful boxer oh character of all time. Clubber Lang was awful, and I had to see him lose. But Rocky had to go to the roots. He had to go to Apollo roots where they ain't have no mm -hmm. air conditioning in the gym, mm -hmm. and you couldn't mm -hmm. get champagne to watch. It was yeah, grimy I like that guy. and I like gritty that guy. and sweaty, and everybody looked oily. And number two, number three, I'm going with the original Rocky. The original Rocky is a classic. It's the music yeah, that yeah, started, yeah. the movie that started it all. Uh, Sylvester Stallone wrote it, directed it. Now, here's where it gets difficult. I'm going to go Balboa after this one. When Rocky comes back and he's like, oh, Rocky, and he fights oh, Antonio Tarver. It's and over, bro. The last one is going to be Creed 2. Creed 2, where we bring back the Dragos. Yeah, yeah, Gotta yeah. Got to include yeah. those. That's the mm. five, and I win. Be blessed. No, bro, you put Balboa in there. It's over. Because you put Balboa in there, it is over. Y'all run that graphic real quick while you show Ryan Clark's list so y'all don't try to change it in post. I want to make sure that Balboa stays on his list because I'm taking a dub on this one. All right, here's mine. At number five, I got Rocky Three. Also, Clubber Lang. And, dog, you remember Hulk Hogan was in there, too? He was out there just kissing everybody. Yes. Thunder Lips. Uh, Thunder, Lips uh, Thunder Lips was blessing everybody. <laughs> and he picked Rocky up and threw him over the ring. That was amazing. I love that one. Bro, for me, number four, Creed 2. I love Creed 2. But you know why I love Creed 2, RC? I love them bringing back all the characters. I love Rocky's story with, his, with, with Adrian being gone, yeah. continuing into the story. But I also like that brother. The brother that plays uh, the trainer's son. I can't remember his name. Maybe his name is Wood Harris or something like that. That brother plays that part. Real good. He was the guy that was in that football movie way back in the day with Denzel Washington. That dude is a fantastic actor. I love the way that him and Michael B. Jordan play those parts. At number three, I'm going to go Rocky 2. I'm going to go Rocky 2. Because when Rocky finally broke through and became the champion, it was a great fight. Because you remember, he was a club fighter, Ryan. He wasn't supposed to be in there with the great yep. Apollo Creed. Apollo Creed was essentially Muhammad Ali at the time. That's who the character yep. was based yep. off of. And Rocky ultimately won the championship over him. At number two, I got to go Rocky Four. <laughs> RC, let me tell you something. In the hood... We didn't have VCRs. My mama got a VCR, and I watched Rocky Four so much that I had that VCR tape stuck. You remember when the tape would get stuck in the VCR? And then when you pull it out, all it got to yes. be rewound? Man, I got my butt whipped so bad because I kept watching Rocky Four. And for me, number one is the original. The original Rocky Balboa movie. I mean, the story, the 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 the, the visuals. Rocky and the, taking Adrian to the to the to the zoo, and the the tiger was out there. Dog, that was a great story, and to me, one of the greatest movies that I have ever seen. So, Rocky one. At number two, I have 
Rocky four. A also a. Uh, remember in Rocky three, I got Rocky two at number three. I got Creed two at number four, and I got Rocky three at number five. Another part of Rocky three that I love so much was because the champ got soft. You remember when he got soft, RC? He was living in he the mansion. He got soft, he man. Soft. He got soft. He, he was living. Soft. Yeah, he was. So, he had the beautiful he yellow lab in the swimming. He had the beautiful yellow lab like in the Cormier. swimming pool. Man, shut up. Wait up. Let me see this. Oh, Rocky like Balboa. Oh, my God. No, he's living like you. I mean, Bro, that's, that's a Balboa good list. Balboa but... was actually good. Mm-mm. This Mm-mm. is how I know you didn't watch the movies. I'm I surprised. You know what I'm surprised? I'm surprised yeah. you didn't put Rocky Five in there with Tommy Gunn. And you're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I figured that was going to be one. Wait, 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 wait. You know, even Balboa is not that one with Tommy Gunn. That's a different movie. No, that's five. Jake, oh. he, Jake, he can't win. Wait a minute, wait he a minute, wait a minute. He doesn't know the movies. <laughs> Jake, he doesn't know the movies. How can, Daniel, you can't win. And this is what happens, though, right? This is what happens. Because I don't really watch football movies like that unless I'm really intrigued because I played so much football. Mm-hmm. See, you weren't watching Rocky the way I was I because was, you was. had to actually go fight. I was I, living I, through Rocco. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Me and Rocky owned the Italian restaurant but why? that we got because we were missing Adrian. You don't mm-hmm, know nothing mm-hmm. about yeah, this, I do. bro. I know all that. Yes. But why did but why why did this why did Mr. T have to kill Mick? Why did Mr. T have to kill Mick, bro? It was just sad after sad in Rocky 3, bro. I hate I love it, but I hate it. This is one of my favorite segments, but you definitely lose. Hey, we're going to tap in and tap out because I just tapped you out in that <laughs> segment because you don't even know the freaking movies. <laughs> All right, guys, speaking of tapping out, Tatiana Suarez, after almost four years away, came back and won in dominant fashion over the weekend. DC, tap in or tap out. Tatiana's next fight will be versus a top five opponent. Yes, I tap in. Absolutely, and it should be. Because before she left, she was one of the scariest contenders in the division that she was fighting at. She's obviously up a weight class now. And in a division that needs contenders, in a division that Valentina Shevchenko has dominated in, I believe that Tatiana Suarez is on the short list of people to challenge her. See, I tap in for the second reason that DC mentioned. We are starved for contenders and competitors to the throne that Valentina Shevchenko sets up on. And if she can come back and be close to that fighter that was ascending four years ago, she's going to put herself in contention to get a title shot soon. Corporate but RC like, RC, like thinking about ring rust, though, right? Four years for her, three years for John Jones, but it was Montana De La Rosa, right not surreal gone. Not surreal gone. Yeah. All right, guys, also this past weekend, in the opening fight of the card, there was an incident where one fighter bit the hand of his opponent. A point was deducted, but RC, tap in or tap out, biting should be an automatic disqualification. I think biting should be an automatic disqualification. You know, when you look at what the fights are supposed to be, those things don't happen accidentally. That is something that you have to intentionally do, and I feel that that shows no respect for your opponent, also no no respect for the entire organization and the people who give their lives for opportunities to fight in the UFC. I agree 100%. I tap in. It should be a disqualification because, as Ryan said, you don't do it on accident. And if there were bite marks, yep. you got to remember that the person that did the biting is wearing a form-fitted mouthpiece. 
So you must be biting right. down really hard if you're making teeth marks with that mouth guard. Those gum shields are like this. They're this thick. They're thick as hell inside your mouth. They're not football mouth guards. They're really thick. So it's hard to really get teeth to go through the mouthpiece and through the skin. Automatic, automatic disqualification. Also this weekend, Trevor Peak had the best night on Saturday. He won his fight by knockout, and then afterwards, Bruce Buffer gave him his fight card. DC, tap in or tap out. Bruce's appreciation is the best compliment you can get. Yeah, <laughs> Bruce, uh, I tap in because Bruce is the man. But Bruce is like, Bruce is literally the most interesting man in the world. You remember the guy that used to be on the commercials? I don't know what beard was a while back. No seconds. That's the guy. Bro, that's Bruce. That's Bruce Buffer. So, yes, if Bruce appreciates you enough to do that, absolutely, I tap in. Here's why I tap in. Bruce Buffer has zero rules. He's like, you know what? I'm Bruce Buffer. I'm going to do what the hell I want. I'm basically yeah, yeah. a hype man before the fight. I got all of this junk memorized. If I want to like a guy enough and appreciate <laughs> his performance enough to give him his scorecard, I'm going to freaking do it. And who's going to stop me? Corporate Jake. All right, guys. This coming weekend, Valentina Shevchenko returns to defend her title at UFC 285 against new challenger Alexa Grasso. RC, tap in or tap out. Grasso will be Valentina's toughest test to date. You know, I'm I'm going to tap out, and I'm going to tap mm -hmm. out because of this. I'm going to tap out because she's faced Amanda Nunes twice, and I believe what we saw when she faced Santos in her last fight was one of the toughest fights I've seen Valentina Shevchenko in outside of Amanda Nunes. So I'm going to tap out on this being her toughest challenge. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to tap out also because I saw Tyler Santos and I don't know if Alexa has the same skill set to take her down and control her in the way that she did. Now, Alexa could outstrike her, but I don't believe that it's going to be as grueling an affair as she had with Tyler Santos. And obviously, she fought the greatest female fighter of all time twice, Amanda Nunes. So it's hard to say she'll ever experience anything harder than yeah. that. Ryan Clark, another fun show, my brother. It's, it's I mean, it's 3.30 yes, right now. I got a 4.15 flight back to Lil Daniels wrestling practice. RC, I got a question for you. You're in <laughs> Vegas this weekend for the John Jones fight, huh? I missed what you said because Corporate Jake came in <laughs> and he totally interrupted whatever you were telling me. Yeah, I I'm just asking this yes, weekend. Yes. I will be... I will be in Vegas. I get there Friday night. The whole family's there. I believe my girls are going to see Usher without me on Friday, though. <laughs> I am not excited about this. I want to let it burn as well because you don't have to call. <laughs> but I can't wait to see you, my friend. Saturday night will be electric. Y'all can catch us wherever you get your podcast. Also, don't forget, 12 a.m., we will be on ESPN2. This is a huge fight week, and DC and RC are so happy to be a part of it. Take us away, brother. My man, that's me, Daniel Cormier. That's my boy, Ryan Clark. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace.